G'day punters, welcome to the Deep Dive. Pete Anthonis alongside Jackson Oldham and Rob Scurry. We will be reviewing Champions Day. We might talk a little bit about Cup Week overall, but to be honest, I think we're all completely exhausted, gutted, spent. You know, we got some cash out of it, but uh, the brain doesn't necessarily work that well when it comes to reviewing. But anyway, Jackson, I'll hand it straight to you. You had a winning week. It was a great four days across the carnival. Um, Did you have anything that stood out as a highlight across the week? That's a great question, Peter. Um, as mentioned off the top, I am absolutely exhausted. I uh, sort of started started my review of Cup Week, and I, I was looking back the first three or four races on Derby Day and went, "Gee, I don't remember any of these results." Um, remember, I lost four and a half units race one, day one. I was with uh, you. Bungo. <laughs> could it could have been done deal? Yeah, <laughs> little thing. Uh, that 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 certainly we wouldn't classify in the um in the highlight basket. That's for sure. No, but um, uh, you fought back. That was the main thing. Yeah, look, uh, and the uh, the racing was really good as a whole. Um, Champions Day was a bit of a letdown, a bit of a pizzler, but the um, Cup Day was good. I thought it deserved Melbourne Cup winner and. Um, the crowds were the crowds were pretty pretty strong considering the weather for the first three days as well. Yeah, it was I guess an interesting experience to have crowds back. I did hear Chris Waller saying that you know he wasn't used to after the last two years flying down for Cup Week, and I think we're probably much the same. It, it did feel a bit odd. I missed the first few with a with a chest infection. Got out there for Champions Day and thought, what what is this like? Why is there, why is there people here? It's just, it felt a little bit odd to a certain extent, but that's the the psychological damage of lockdown talking. I'm sure. Yeah, well, I got um, I got hailed on uh, on three separate occasions over Cup Week, so it's it's a it's a um, I can't believe I don't have a chest infection either, personally. <laughs> so what are we what are we making of Champions Day? You said it was a bit of a letdown, and the general narrative was how good is this? But none of the actual champions, so to speak, won either of the three races. They won by very hmm. good horses that all had strong claims, but you know, I guess we've probably been, I guess, a bit conditioned to Winks or Black Caviar winning and winning all these Group One races, but they were even enough races with a few angles with favourites that at their absolute best win the race, but they clearly weren't at their best on Champions Day. But the first time with this format, the three group one wait for age races, what did you what was your first impression of it? Yeah, it's a really interesting one because in theory and on paper it works really, really well and we got the fields that we wanted. It was sort of spruiked as the best day of the year. Um and I suppose this is going to be the issue going forward is you've got all these great horses two weeks after their grand final yeah. and you just get varying, uh, varying results with sort of, you know, Animo and Nature Strip most notably and also Private Eye sort of are dropping off their last start ratings and um, and you're getting not not incredibly rough results apart from Rock and Horse, but um, it's, it's, it, I think it's going to be interesting and I'm going to be wary next year from a punting point of view of not just automatically thinking um, that, that these horses two, two weeks after a grand final, whether that's a Cox Plate or an Everest, are going to rate are going to rate the same. Yeah, I'll, we'll get into those races. It, I was doing the yard pretty fresh. I hadn't seen basically any of them parade previously, but I thought all three of the favourites in each of those races paraded below what I would expect them to be parading at. Um I guess the other issue is going forward, 
will trainers become a little bit more wary, as he said, you know, these afterthought grand finals, unless they're worth a fair bit of cash, are they going to keep backing up or are they just going to leave it at that in the grand finals? What we're seeing in Perth now with the Group 1 railway in a fortnight, uh, it is a barely a Group 3. Uh, there's a few whispers <laughs> around that some of the interstate raiders aren't coming across. You know, Tuvalu is probably the prime example. And so if the end of the Melbourne Carnival is copying like a bit of a, you know, straight out to the paddock sort of feel about it, well, that's going to badly impact what happens in WA. So, yep. it's, you know, year one. I, I think it was exciting, probably more exciting on the Friday and the Saturday morning than what it was after the fact. Um, look, I mean, we're not taking away anything from any of the winners, but you're looking at the data here and it's relatively plain. They're all slow tempo races and we'll get into that. But, uh, Rob, you were up in Sydney. What was it like on the... I mean, you've got these made-up races now that are filtering right through into November, end of November these days. Um, was there any feel there at Rose Hill? Uh, it was a beautiful day. Um, <laughs> got hot late. Um, got money out of Ellsberg for a change. Um, yeah, look, I, I, back to Melbourne, I just think it's, it's sort of natural attrition, like a horse yeah. has got three or four hard drives in a, in a campaign. And by November, if they've been running since August, they're they're looking for for, for the paddock. Um, so yeah, it's just the extent Sydney's doing it as well. These pop up races, it's WA is going to get the knock on from it. Um, the and Brisbane as well to maybe the same extent. But it seems like the calendar is just just getting extended and extended. And unless you're um, in Sydney or Melbourne, you can, you're camping out for the, for the rest of the jurisdictions. Yeah. When uh, WA made the the price or the prize money boost of the railway and the other Group One features to one and a half million, my in, immediate reaction was, well, that's not enough. Um, you know, those, those real big Group One races to get trainers to put their horses onto a plane and target those events after the end of the Sydney and Melbourne Carnival, you really have to be minimum two million. But look, if there's any trainers out there that's nominated their horse for the railway and you're considering, well, just put it on the plane. If you can settle on the first four or five, there's no speed in the race. If they appreciate a firm track, you're going to be yeah. right there. You'll be placing. So yeah. anyway. Lord of, in, Lord of Indices, Parade is super. Best, most relaxed. It really settled down that horse. Yeah. Well, I think that's one that um, – I think we all had a fair bit of interest in going there on, on Saturday and, I don't know, probably didn't find the, the right track. It probably played a little bit re-disadvantaged for the most part, didn't it? Um, anyway, we'll get, to, yeah. we'll get to Sydney. Let's start off with some of these Group 1 races and just work our way through them. If we start with the champion sprint, it was the first of them, 1,200 metres. In terms of the tempo with punting forms data, the race, slow tempo. They've gone three and a half lengths slow, two to 600 and... I think it's fair to say that at about 200 out, any one of about six or seven horses could have won Jacko. Yeah, 100%. Um, I was sort of up at the 250, and I, I actually thought Nature Street was completely gone past me. I thought he was going to run seventh. So I was um, I was quite, quite surprised to see him kicking on. thought Lofty Strike was the winner for a stride at the 75, and I had something to place at $8 and... He hasn't even gotten close to running a place, even though he's looked like the winner. Um, yeah, a, a blanket finish. Kick, kick the obvious unlucky, unlucky runner. But you know, a ten horses within the length and a half of the winner here. What do you, what do you really make of the race? And Nature Strip obviously rated down. Um, 
you you could have projected that if you want if you wanted to. I was sort of taking the taking the line from um, Everest into into this race last year, but um, he's obviously rated down off that. Yeah, it's it's just that unknown prep, isn't it? You're trying to sort of draw yeah. parallels between yeah. Nature Strip's previous preparations, but that trip to England the, uh, clearly is just flattened. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, the, the difference here is he really hasn't had a spell in yeah. a year. Um, and that was as as an eight year old. That's probably probably what I overlooked having a pretty big bet on him earlier in the week. Yeah, Rob, Boys. you've obviously been you know well across a lot of these horses, and Ball has been one of yours. He's run another oh, placing there down the straight. Did, did did he did he run a hole? Did he get did he run third? He yeah, ran third. third. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not on him. It's disgusting. The fastest son of High Chaparral uh, is Baller, and um, living up to his physique, he's he's. Anyway, Tony Gorn's, you know, full credit. He's got that horse to almost beat Nature Strip. Yeah. Um, rock and horse. I think I think you tweeted, Jacko, Gill Guy form, best form. Yeah, well, I mean, I did take $26 in the <laughs> Bobby Lewis where he got beat uh-huh. by Baller, and here they are running first and third in a $3 million sprint um, splitting Nature Strip. So that was cool. $26 in a group two rock and horse was one of the better bets I've had um, over the spring, that's for sure. 100 to 1 in a new market, straight track horses. How did they bet that price? How did they leave it out of the quality? Well, exactly right. He was wound up, or she was wound up before the race as well. I think we were talking about it, Jacko. Those two Kiwis were both, uh, Rob, you would refer to them as sharp, possibly even a little bit, you know, borderline agitated. But um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like they both ran really well. But that straight track form, as you said, is just. You know, it's hard to beat, isn't it? Horses just running in a straight line. It's not uh, everyone's cup well, of tea, but it's meant to be Nature Strip's cup of tea. It's meant to beat those lot by four, but he yeah. he, he didn't. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's when you when you see that. I remember Eduardo when he was explosive. It sounds like Rock and Horse looked a bit explosive. Well, uh, she or almost mad, kicked uh, Levante in the in the face as they went past me in the yard. So <laughs> yeah, dangerous. Yeah, that was right in front of us as well. That was good fun. Um, but look, yeah, Bola, I, I, look, that horse continues to parade well. And, and luckily, I, in one of my moments of just automatic uh, automatic betting, noticed he was, you know, double figures of place. And I thought, oh, it'd be rude not to. And uh, he knocked off my other place bet in Levante. So I don't know. I was, I was going to. I was a, I, I saw the place price Bola. Uh, no, I don't need to get more involved. I'm already balls to the wall here, Major Strip. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Rob and I kind of spoke about it after the Everest. Um, I was talking Kick Kick was sort of overweight yeah. his first runs and then went, went went up went up to the Everest and Rob said he's rock hard fit. Well, he's he came back and I saw him a completely a, a different horse to the one I saw two starts ago. He really was, wasn't he? Because I haven't seen him obviously in a couple of starts, but we kept talking about how the fact he just didn't look at top yet. And, yeah. Um, yeah, he almost seemed to just lose at a touch there on the day. He just progressively got a bit warmer and a bit more irritated as the parade went on. So it was clearly at end of prep, but you can understand that he's had a fair bit going on as a three-year-old for uh, for this preparation. Yeah, 100%. Obviously excited to see him ex-prep, especially now I know he can look at top. I've, I've only, ever, um, <laughs> only ever watched him a bit pudgy and – Towy and all that sort of stuff. So I'm looking forward to seeing him at top nest preparation somewhere. All right. Let's talk about the Champions Mile. 
Um, slow tempo once again on punting form starter, 2.6 length slow to the 600, but it was probably just fast enough for Alligator Blood to actually just dictate and keep going through the line. Um, they did hold formation to a certain extent. Obviously, the first three in run have run the top three here, um, but there's a few others that settled just off them that just didn't quite pick up. Um, obviously, the, the main one was Private Eye, which failed as favourite, and I thought my Oberon was... Was okay. Um, it was an interesting runner, I think, trying to line it up. Probably the top end ratings that we saw overseas were just a little bit below horses like Alligator Blood, Private Eye, which was running out a new standard this preparation, and even Mr. Brightside. So I wouldn't be too disappointed with that runner, but he still has a little bit of a way to go to, to match it with those top end yep. horses that we have here. But uh, Jacko, run us through your thoughts here. Yeah, um, just with. My Oberon, uh, coming from that sort of uh, heavy track, fast tempo, the valley to a good three here, a slower tempo, um, bit of a different race shape. I wouldn't be jumping off him entirely, that's for sure. This was just a mistake from me betting wise. This was race 35 <laughs> of 37, um, and this was just me being a bit tired. I didn't like the parade of private eye at all, um, yeah. but it was it was just express in the market, and that just it just what that money worried me and I I half doubted myself which I don't which I rarely do um I had bets typed up uh Cascadian and Alligator Blood and I I sort of mulled it over for two minutes and I decided to stay out so that was a mistake that was just the back end of the last day and I thought oh we probably don't need to get involved here the market seems to know private eye but the parade was it just looked an end of prep parade. Cascadian yep. continues to parade outstanding, just got beat by the barrier, even though J-Mac tried his best there coming down the outside rail and did produce a huge last 200 metres. But, yeah, Alligator Blood just controlled. Um, he's a just tough on pace. Um, um, 2,000 is too far, but this sort of 1,800 metres to a mile, his pocket, um, he'll continue to win plenty of races. And Tuvalu holding great condition throughout its whole preparation has taken another leap here and is absolutely flying. Yeah, that's why I was surprised to hear, I guess, most of the talk was that Tuvalu wouldn't be heading west for the railway. I think if Tuvalu turns up, it's a complete certainty. Moral. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I don't see how any anything else is going to be able to challenge it for the front, dictate. If they get the tempo right, they win. Because um, as you said, it was holding great condition. Alligator blood looks outstanding. Uh, Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott have done such a good job with that horse. And then even, you know, Mr. Brightside continues to, to parade well. As you said, Cascadian looked outstanding and Private Eye just had absolutely no condition left and was clearly just, you know, it looked like it was was at the end. Um, I don't know. So it just hurts me even more when I didn't back at last start when it was just fucking perfect, Private yeah. Eye. When the map said it was, a, it was a risk and it pissed him, but surely one of the most exciting, probably the most exciting horse in Australia, just about, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah, I'll... All the all the talk now will be he's a sprinter, but um, I don't think he was sort of at his condition here to be able to um, prove if he's better over twelve hundred thirteen or or a mile. So I think that's still jury out. Yep, I agree. Who, who's that. he? Who's he by? Who's he by again? Private eye, sire, anyone? Top of the head. Um, I'll race it, Jacko. Almahar. Uh, Almahar, a confidential queen. Yeah. Almahar. Gay Waterhouse. Yeah, the Emirates Park calls. Just Pretty a, sure. The tad before my time would have been well before Jacko's. 
but, but 2004, I think, I yeah. won a Australian Guineas. No yeah, colours. I was, I was seven, so I don't know <laughs> that, unfortunately. No <laughs> All right, champion stakes. Now, look, just in, intriguing racing this uh, tempo-wise. Very slow once again for Zaki, 5.9 length slow to the 600 there on punting form starter. The difference was is that Animo wasn't quite ready to stalk. Um, he gave up his spot early there to let Mwanga just came across mm. and just managed to get that position. He's a shocker's run a blinder off the slow tempo as well, and really everything else was too far back. Hinged, elliptical, they were both pretty plain settling on speed. Maximal's a speed hump. Um, Zaki finally got, I guess, the right field position. He didn't get the right tempo, but he got the right field position to hold everything off. That's the only way I can put this race. I'm Thunderstruck, tried to do his best from last, but you know, like, he still run really well through the line. He was just way too far back off that really slow tempo. Yeah, uh, 100%. Field position and I think a little bit of race shape from in terms of Jamie increased the tempo a little bit yeah. quicker than she did in the Cox play. Um, sort of from the 12, 12 to the 400, uh, 1292, 1240, 11.8, and then 11.2 from the 6 to the 4. So really got them at their top early versus the Cox plate where I thought she just waited a little bit too much or was a little bit meek um, yeah. in that period. But yeah. I thought this was poor by Jay Mack. I didn't think there was a reason that he couldn't be two pairs closer than what he was. Um, I'm thunderstruck with the tempo was was out of play. Um, just weird, weird race though. Like he's a shocker that's running well, third on protest, but running the runner up uh, end of prep animo end of prep. I'm thunderstruck. Uh, this was just an underwhelming sort of champion stakes here. I thought. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm waiting for Warren to do something really good, though. I, I think that horse, Rob, like if you, you've sort of like been onto this horse for, for ages in terms of how it's prayed, and, and often it does get quite toe and so forth. But Can it actually win a race, though, at any point? I was on it. Yeah. I was on it. I had quite a big bet on it when Nash slotted it in there. I thought I was, he was going to pick up the leader. Yeah, uh, it's just I think it's a top class middle distance horse, but was, you know, not not him in Cascadia and over eighteen hundred. Can we get a three million dollar match race next week to two weeks time <laughs> for the fans? Let's do it. Well, there's one in Perth called the Northerly, but it's only called it's only uh, one and a half million. Okay, well, yeah, th- those two are top horses, I reckon. And I've got them about level peg. Who who would you who would you rather? I know one's a gelding, one's a stallion, but just for future earnings on the track. Mwanga. Mwanga. Yeah. I think he's got more yeah. versatility, doesn't he? He can settle forward. He's just been, I, I guess, to a certain extent, um, he hasn't had the right barrier draws for a lot of these races. He's had to either make a call early and try and slot in or go back. So, um, Yeah. He, he, he beat he beat very elegant one day um, in a group one, but that was over 1,400. So it shows he's, I think he's a proper weight for age horse. Um, yeah. And he's a lot younger than Cascadian, so, yeah, good choice. Okay. Um, the figure of the day was a tissue winning the Matriarch Stakes. Very fast tempo helped with that because there wasn't too many very fast tempos on the day. There's only three of them. And, um, look, Jackson, you said in your pre-race report that this is the go of the carnival. And, well, it pretty much was. And a tissue basically was never losing once it slotted into a perfect spot. Yeah, this was the winner... How, how far was the race? 2,000. This was the winner at 1750. Yeah. Um, 
this was a <laughs> for one of my bigger results of the carnival. Um, gee, this was one of the easiest watches you'll see. Yeah. Um, um, I was I, I was annoyed I missed the tens. I was annoyed I missed the eights. I was annoyed I missed the sixes. But we got the four. It started firm two fifty. And then after that was. I don't know. What would even make the rest of the field? Wasn't much else going on. No, there wasn't much. It wasn't much else happening. Uh, what, what do you? I don't think you take too much from the rest. That's just all their level. Um, I lose the Polly Gray actually ran okay, considering the track wasn't wet. Um, how how that horse opened five dollars and the tissue ten dollars is beyond me, but. To be honest with you, wasn't really watching anything else in the race and put the laptop away and started walking back at the 200. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those races where outside of the winner, it just looks relatively plain. Um, Probably about the Queen's Cup as well, with yeah. now the uh, the next year's Melbourne Cup favourite off a bit of an... Well, yeah. What are, we, what are we making of this? So we both had a conversation leading up to the race and, um, you know, the, the blinkers... I was under the impression that all gear changes or all gear, whether or not it's first time on or not, they appear as gear changes after they've traveled across from overseas, but they yep. listed all the new gear changes. If you had a look at the gear list on racing.com, they were all present there, um, including blinkers. And as soon as I saw the blinkers on in the mounting yard, I thought, well, hang on, they're actually here to rock and roll today. And they indeed were. They were, they were, um, Look, he was he he wasn't there at his peak, but Chris Waller, you don't. Um, I wasn't too concerned with that. The the only reason I didn't pull the trigger was the map. Yeah. However, they that that they seem to go fast, then real, then slow, then fast, and that really put the put the back markers into play. And um, he was pretty much home from the four hundred. Looks a looks an exciting horse with a um with a pretty big turn of foot off that tempo too. Yeah, relatively inconclusive in terms of the overall figure, but as you said, I think it's yeah. the, the sections going through the line that that obviously gave it a bit more credibility there. Um I don't yeah, know. Yeah, 11th fastest 200 of the meeting with with a 2600 meter race, so that's pretty pretty impressive. Obviously there's no edge in a, yeah. in an early 2023 um Melbourne Cup price, and we're not sort of telling telling anything that the market doesn't. But he looks a looks an exciting horse for next year. Yeah, and pretty pretty nice type as well. Just with a fair bit more quality. I know it was yeah. only up a, up against you know pretty average horses there in the Queen's Cup, but um, certainly much better than than those. Uh, Rob, I'm sure you'll see yeah. him pop, pop uh, up in the autumn at some stage. Are you saying an A grade Euro Waller import and a B grade? Uh, so many of them are. I will be interested to see what you think. I would probably label him on type of B plus, A minus. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was going to say minus. Not not a um, not not like a real outstanding thing. Yeah, I didn't look at him and go, "Wow, look at this thing." Yeah, not like the day I saw Avilius race Dagny. It's five dollars Avilius with Glenn on Dagny. (laughs) Good horse for Christmas, but yeah, sometimes you get the A grade. It's I remember the time um, Jeune, <laughs> first saw Jeune in the yard, A-grade, you know, life-changing looker. Um, anyway, these imports, you get one crack at them. That's yeah. like should have had a bet, Jacko. Great white ride willow, you know. Should have had a bet, should have had a bet. That that and um, that was my other bet regret for the day. 
for sure. Well, I think that last start that uh, Solcom had in Europe, it was the third fastest race time in history. And the first two, I think one was Torfique off the top of my head and the other also won a Caulfield Cup. Uh, there was some you know, narrative stat like that. So anyway, just gets everyone else a little bit moist for the next year and we'll wait and see if it's any good. Um, Here's another A-grade import, Torfique, good looker. Yeah, again, just a tad before my time. But. Same same um, Arab colours, the, the blue and the white. Yep. All right, Jacko, good. that's Flemington. Um, anything to follow or are you just waiting for, you know, the, the time on a Cranbourne Cup and Packenham Cup? <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm positive there are horses to follow. I would have to go back back and look. I detonated Jack was some win. I can't remember yeah. what day it was. I want to say it was Oaks Day, but um, that was the, that win really impressed me, and he was still sort of two runs away from top, so uh, a very exciting horse. Yeah. All right, Rob, uh, what have we got? We, we're talking the, the Five Diamonds, the Hot Danish, the Golden Gift, um, Ellsberg won the five diamonds. He put himself on speed, won over 1,800 metres and was clearly the performance of the day uh, on punting form starter. Fast tempo um, held off Sebak. Laws of Indices was a little bit further behind them in run. And then uh, Diamond was fourth with Uncle Bryn fifth. Uh, what did you make of the field? Uh, I wasn't surprised by three of the first four running well. I thought Diamel or Diamel improved off its win, looked paraded much better. But uh, Ellsberg, outstanding, outstanding type, you know, A grade. Um, his coat was super again here. I was a little bit worried wet to dry and 1800, but I thought the track was playing a little bit on pace. And, you know, I, I, the map for Law of Indices, um, had soft mark road and had it right, had it trapped. Yep. Um, and yeah, it was got a little bit nervous um, at the hundred, but um, yeah, he, he kicked on and um, I thought it was a good win. And I think he's a good horse and I'm not sure what they do with him now, but yeah, he's, he's a really good horse. He had two internationals in this field and Longville is a new mandate. What do you think of them? Uh, not much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just not ready. You know, I'm, I just can imagine them parade better and, you know, it was just looked clearly to me, Ellsberg and Laura Vindices looked class above this field, and one had a sort of favourable map and the other one didn't. Yep. It's pretty simple sometimes. Um, yeah, and, and, Di- and Diamond improved off the run yeah. off, off the other day, so it, it was a pretty clear yard and uh, for me, and I'm glad I got a bit of Ellsberg cash. The hot Danish stakes over 1,400, uh, group two, apparently. Um, very slow tempo. They've gone the best part of 14 lengths, slow to the 600. And she's about to stalk the favourite in Electric Girl and went past it to a certain extent. Um, only really just got over the top of Lavish Girl. But you know, I'm not sure we, we learned a great deal from this race. Um, well, we, I've, you've done well. Oh, I you, you followed you followed me in from the other week yeah. when I was pain, painfully unlucky first up on She's a Belter. Yeah, um, we we backed more secrets for the service as well when it went at Warwick Farm first up, and and I've somehow landed on the Melbourne like smooth walking lavish girl as my best result in the race. Yeah, um, also on Electric Girl to start before at twenties, but we we couldn't back it at two fifty. No, definitely not. Yeah, so 
Um, Samut looked the best I've ever seen it, but it's a little wet type. Um, not much else in the race. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, but yeah, I think the first four are you know all good horses. And the golden gift for the two-year-olds, very fast tempo here. Uh, the fi- overall figure for Barber was the best part of four lengths inferior to what it did on debut, um, but it's done it probably a fair bit harder this time, that's fair to say. Yeah, look, I think this is the best two-year-old um, in Sydney. This sounds like Snowden's got a real smart one in Melbourne, ran on um, Guinea's Day or something, but this this thing, we were on it first up. Uh, half slow away. It was a very slow away here, um, and I've just um, <laughs> taken my bet off. Um, thinking quite quite smart. Look at me, court siding on track. How good is this? And then I've sort of uh, watched the seventeen dollars, kind of half cheering it for the subs, thinking you know I hope it still wins because we're back there for the service, um, and and it's got up on the line, and and I'm I'm square on the race. But any anyway. Um, Got, got paid Betfair SP six eighty um, was was five dollars pretty pretty firm late so um, swings and roundabouts uh, I thought coincide uh, Gay Waterhouse was well backed I thought it improved off the first up run where it ran Barber to like a head um, so I, I I played both these horses at that kind of price um, maybe didn't appreciate the firmer track it did get to a good three sort of seems to have run too bad to be true I thought those two were you know, with natural improvement off the first run and the way they looked in the yard, I thought they'd be fighting out the race. Yeah. Only winner from the rear all day, Barber, and it's a two-year-old second start. So I think that's uh, that's all you need to say going forward with that horse. Looks a nice type. Uh, was there anything else to follow out of the day? Ah, uh, you know, Jester Jetto will parade well and run well next start somewhere. Yeah. Across me. Same with Devil's Throat. Uh, I thought it ran, ran really well. That Fox Fight is a real line chaser. Um, but yeah, it's pretty kind of standard Saturday racing um, yeah, behind those those big money races. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm on a plane back to Perth tomorrow for the start of the Pinnacles, as is now calling them. So five weeks straight of cash races and hopefully a few a uh, few interstate raiders as well to make things a little bit more interesting. But Rob, for yourself, uh, this Saturday is a Kembley Grange. Newcastle no. double. So I'm guessing week off. You've got uh, Hawkesbury no, Wednesday. No, no. Um, uh, the weather looks good, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Newcastle for the day Beauty. and come back. My folks aren't around, but the mum's left their members guest ticket at the secretary's office. So okay. I'm sorted. Um, and then I'll have the week off after that. I've got no Wednesday racing. I think they're running at Hawkesbury. So just just the Saturday many for me this week. To yep. Look forward to. Yep. All right, sounds good. Jacko, for yourself, what does the week look like? Um, I'll be at Apium Bendigo for, would you believe, the third Wednesday in a row. Um, <laughs> only two and a half hours each way. Feels like a little bit of a breeze. At least um, at least there won't be 70,000 there, so that's a positive. Yep. And uh, and for the day everybody's looking forward to, Cranbourne Cup Day at Keats. Um, I'll, be, I'll be out there doing Mountie Yard for Wednesday and Saturday and uh, Friday night, we won't be doing Mountie Yard Mail because I have a prior arrangement. So, right. But we'll, we'll be betting all throughout the week. Very good. And uh, I'll be on course for Live and Dangerous Mountie Yard Mail, Ascot, 
I think there's some Belmont meetings thrown in, um, which is great because I can just like bang my head against the concrete wall until I paint a new shade of red. But uh, Ascot, I'm looking forward to, and I think there's even a little bit of Pinjarra. So I'm looking forward to the next couple of months. Uh, can I ask a strange question? Why is there Ascot and Belmont so, on like say Thursday? Yeah, it's still the the redevelopment going on at Bunbury. So Bunbury is going uh, to be renovated, I think, until early to mid next year. So Belmont's yep. taking a bit of the slack as a result. Beautiful. Yeah. Can't wait to find another shitty, laney, Belmont, awful trench straight and watch horses <laughs> elevate off it. It's just, it is torture. All right, guys. Uh, thank you very much. We'll catch up next week as uh, the year winds down. It's not too much longer to go. It's basically Christmas already. And then we have to do it all again next year. Can't wait. But uh, it's been a, a good couple of weeks. Well done, Jacko. Well done, Rob. Um, we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Cheers, Pete. Cheers, Jacko.